Well, the word of the Lord has made it exceptionally clear where we have to go today. You see, when folks that operate like we do, he, we haven't conversed. I, as I introduced him, you realize, I said, oh, I see this, and the Holy Ghost told me to do that. I didn't know you were going to be here today. So obviously, we didn't talk about this service. But the Holy Spirit did. I said the Holy Spirit did. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, please, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 49. And while we're headed there, the one thing that I saw that I needed to mention that has to do with what Brother David spoke and now Brother Scott, you realize that bow can be drawn, the arrow can be knocked. It can even be aimed. But until there's a release... The whole deal about potential energy and kinetic energy is those speakers are going to stay potential yes, until what is holding them gets cut. You need to understand that if we were to go cut the straps that are holding them up, now what's going to happen? So there would be a release. Yes, that release is the Bible word deliverance. You need to understand that deliverance means I'm held back from the fullness of something God wants for me by a power that's on me that's stronger than I can break on my own. So I need something stronger to come on it. Break it. So I can be released from it. That's deliverance. There's going to be a tremendous amount of supernatural release. And when you understand, a couple of things now, when you understand that the scripture makes it very clear, Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So understand some parallels here. Some simple thoughts, but to the carnal mind, they don't even understand. They, they think that God has a high purpose for every bad thing they're experiencing and he's working some kind of glory. They don't even understand that they have an enemy, that he does exist. But then if they have no faith in him, when they get a revelation they have an enemy, they get afraid of him. And they have no revelation that, yes, they have an enemy. And yes, he wants to still kill and destroy, but he's already defeated. And that that was the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To put you above and not beneath. To make you the release mechanism. Glory to God. You know, I haven't done a whole lot of archery uh, in my life. I've done a fair amount. Especially like in big game hunting and that sort of thing. Got into it when I was younger and have the bows. And I haven't pulled them out in a long time. But I can still remember all the new things back then, you know, things to deaden the silence and little peep sights and, you know, are you shooting natural or do you have, and they have all kind of things now that are way beyond that. And now they have trigger releases. Back in those days, you know, we just put something on our fingers and drew it, but now you can lock it onto the string and pull it back and just push a button and it'll release it. And of course, this is what they do 
uh, in the Olympics and so forth will have to be, you know, uh, we're talking about gold medal caliber accurate, then you have to hold it in the same. This is what people don't get. Consistency is the key to hitting your mark. One of the things I learned about archery is you couldn't like pull it back and hold it here once and then hold it here once and hold it like this once. and then No, you had to find an anchor point. You had to do it the same way every time if you're going to have any accuracy at all. Amen. And so the point being that now there's an intermediary device. My hand's not exactly directly on the string, right? But there's something in between. Now, when it gets pushed, it cuts it loose, and bang, that potential energy now gets released. Man, it's the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Glory to God. We're probably not going to look at that particular passage today, but in, the, in 2 Kings 13, I believe it is, where Elisha was coming near to the end of his life, and the king needed help with an opposing army. Um, he went to the prophet for help. And when he got there, he said, take a bow, take an arrow. And he said, put your hands upon it. So the king, he said, open the window. So, and, and I'm getting out of order because I'm not preaching this, but understand, you can't shoot an arrow through a closed window. So the first thing you're going to have to do is get out of your comfort zone. First thing you're going to have to do is open up. Because the enemy's not in here. And I mean, he might, you know, you might need deliverance and you might have brought something in. I'm just saying. But he's out there. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. You're not the enemy. Amen. So we're going to have to open up. Glory be to God. Take the lid off. And he told the king, put your hand on the bow, put your hand on the arrow, take bow and arrow. And he opened up the window. And so then the prophet put his hands on the king's hands. Glory be to God. He said, shoot. Bing! And, they, and he shot. And he said, behold, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. He said, now take the rest of the arrows. This is going to be key now. I want you to hear me because there's an assignment I have today over the next few minutes that I believe your whole life will change toward no more curse if you'll pay attention for just a few minutes here. He said, take the arrows. And he took the rest of the arrows. He said, smite them on the ground. And he hit them. One, bam, bam, bam. And he stopped. And the prophet was very direct with him. What did you stop for? Why did you stop? It said he hit King James. He hit three times and stayed. He said, you should have hit the ground five or six times. Then the enemy would have been utterly destroyed. But because you only hit it three times, he'll be pushed back. I, this is my paraphrase. He'll be pushed back and you'll get a little space and relief, but he won't be pushed out of your life. You want him gone. That's the biggest thing that the church has done. They often don't lose the battle on the initial attack, but more people lose their harvest on the counterattack than any other thing. We're going to talk about breaking free from that curse today. Because enlargement and deliverance is coming to the people of God. You're about to break containment on every side. 
God, the God of your breakthrough is about to burst in on your enemy like the breaking forth of many waters. Glory to God. I was thinking while Brother Scott was sharing, I couldn't help but see how the Lord had orchestrated the entire morning. And I was thinking about to Miss Donna when she was singing under the anointing. And that story about Mary. What potential was she carrying? The very breath of heaven in her womb. Something on the inside you couldn't see and she was on a very uncomfortable journey. But there was the day of her deliverance. One of my favorite phrases of this time of year is when you read the Christmas story, it says, this is a great phrase, and the days were accomplished when she should be delivered. I love that phrase. Because it didn't just mean she was going to have a baby. It's a phrase that is in the Word of God that echoes throughout all time. Every seed comes to harvest. Every dream has a birth to it. Something new is going to happen to you in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the days have been accomplished and you should be delivered. From the long-standing issues, the long-standing frustrations, the long-standing containments, the long-standing limits, the days have been accomplished. Now is the day of your deliverance. It is time for this to end in your life. It is time for you to put it into it once and for all. It is time for you to quit coping with it and putting up with it and quit messing around with it and driving it back and figuring out how to manage it. It is time for you to be delivered. It is time for you to drive it out. The days have been accomplished. It is finished. Jesus is Lord. There shall be no more curse. And you need to rise up and deal with your enemy at the gate today. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I was praying through the night about this. And I'll be honest with you. I saw in the spirit. I don't know if you've had anything unusual happen over the weekend. But uh, we were discussing this as we had about three units that were not functional today. And the electricity and other things. It's 57 degrees in here. And I'm scurrying around trying to at least make it bearable. And we had some help and all of that. Didn't know it till late and all of those things. And then... The phones just started manifesting some gremlins on text. And I won't even go to all that. I'm just simply saying that I said, Lord, what's up? And I realized that even I, as long as I've been in this, did not recognize the impact of last Sunday. And why the enemy wanted to create an immediate counterattack. To get your eye off the ball. To realize that you have been enlarged. You have broken out. You're just in the beginning stages. And things aren't what they used to be. So don't move by what you see. I'm telling you it's working. I'm telling you we broke loose. Now don't you let the enemy back in your thinking. Don't you let him back in your sphere of existence. Deliverance and enlargement will arise from heaven. There is a release. I said there is a release. Deliverance and enlargement is arising to you right now in Jesus' name. So I'm praying through the night, and I will mention uh, Revelation 22 in just a moment because obviously it's our base scripture. And before I go any further, I want to let you know it is in that flow of where the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago, and He said very clearly to me when He was dealing with no more curse, and it had to do with, actually this all started now two or three months ago, when the Lord said there's a false doctrine coming to the body of Christ concerning martyrdom. But now I saw over into that and realized, he said, and I want you to deal with it. I want you to correct it. And so as you know, 
it's very clear from even just a few weeks from the Word of God that God's will is you're in my deliverance. He died for us. He doesn't want us to die for him. He wants us to live for him. Glory be to God. We have been delivered. We are being delivered. And we shall yet be delivered. And this is a decade of deliverance. And we're developing faith for that deliverance. And we're not going to accept something as normal that God calls a curse. Amen. Glory be to God. But what I realized that the biggest component of that false doctrine was, was that the idea, buying into the idea that God has appointed someone to martyrdom. Okay, now follow me. Follow me now. Because it, I, we can sit here because you've heard the gospel and, and for the bulk of this crowd you can say, how could anybody think that? But I'm telling you, you are the one degree percentile of the 100% of the body of Christ. I'm telling you, most of the body of Christ has bought in to life as it comes, and God has a high purpose for all suffering. They have little to no revelation that they have any authority at all or any ability at all to change the turnout. And that's why they're begging God to help them. And Instead of rising up and speaking to the mountain, They'll lay hands on people and say, be healed if it be thy will. Or they'll ask God to heal them. When the scripture makes it very clear, by his stripes you were healed. And that we don't pray for people and ask God to heal them. He already did. We command the sickness to bow its knee. We command them, be healed in Jesus' name. There has been a command authority that's given to us by the authority of that name. I want to tell you the biggest problem in almost all Christians' dealings with the devil. The number one major problem that almost all Christians have that's the number one on the list, and it is this, lack of resistance to him. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The scripture says, resist the devil. He will flee. It doesn't say beg God to do something about the devil. It said you resist him. It is this laying down and letting him do what he wants and then whining to God about it. That's the problem. Resist him. I said resist him. You have an enemy, but you have faith. Resist him. Give the devil no place. And I'm not talking about resisting people. I'm talking about resisting the demons that are operating either against people. You know, there's some demons that aren't even using the people you love, but they are influencing and impacting and oppressing their lives, and uh, you can do it on any level. Now, there can be people that come against you that's demonically driven, and you don't get upset at that person. You just take authority over the demon that's driving that thing. But there can be others that aren't coming against you at all. It's just that it's, it's the whole dynamic is messed up because, you know, you're involved on a ship with the same people that you love and they got major issues. And it affects you. Well, you can get frustrated at them, but you're in the wrong camp if you do. You're going to have to take authority and it'd be good if you got, came into an agreement with them and took authority over the devil together. But you got to take authority over that thing. And we do today. The time and the days have been accomplished for you to be delivered. Will you receive it right now? Just thank the Lord for it right there. 
Now, I want to get back over here to, to where we're going to go, but I'm simply saying the Lord said to me about no more curse. He said, from now to the end of the year, double down on it. But he said that to me again through the night. And there's a reason. He talked to me about something specific, obviously, and each week he has. But today is no different. Even though we're starting in Isaiah 49, we're going to find our, our, our way from there into Revelation 22 and then work our way back for just a minute or two dealing with, dealing with this issue that is costing the body of Christ so much territory and delay when it's a curse, but we're treating it normal. We're going to talk about three specific aspects of it today. But before we do, I want to, I sense in my spirit, I didn't fully finish. Because, you know, you get to preach in the spirit of God gets to moving. He's speaking words and everybody gets excited. And that's great. And, you know, it's kind of like running through the sprinkler. You get wet. but <laughs> We need answers. <laughs> right? And the Lord said to me to, to, that I hadn't finished this. I, I made a statement earlier where Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. There's some basic revelation there that to the natural man can seem real confusing. But to those of us that know the Lord Jesus, this ought to be very simple. He just said, you're going to have to have the Holy Ghost involvement with you to deal with the devil. You're not going to cast out the devil any different than Jesus did. If Jesus cast him out by the Spirit of God, then you're going to have to have the Holy Ghost help to walk in his deliverance. He is the agent. He's the power. He's the anointing. That's why he anointed us to preach deliverance to the captives. That's why it's on us. It's on us to break the yoke and destroy it completely. And we have that in us and on us right now. And we can release it. And the scripture then also, he said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now he just equated the moving of God's spirit with the manifestations of the kingdom. He just told us now that when the Holy Ghost gets to moving in church, we're not to sit back like this. The reason is because we're keeping ourselves at a distance from the kingdom. I don't care what your head thinks about it. That's thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Oh, no, the Holy Ghost is here to do the will of God. So when he starts moving, he's moving to deliver us from what's not in the will of God, which is our bondages and oppressions. The 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now the Lord is that spirit. I said, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there. Now I love those... Where, there. Where, there. Well, I don't go to that church. I mean, they're crazy. Well, stay bound. I don't care. That's up to you. I'm just telling you, liberty's there. Your liberty is there. Where? Where's my liberty? There. There where the Holy Ghost was moving. And therefore, I'm not ashamed of this good news called the gospel. Because it is the power of God. For deliverance. Oh, glory be to God. Ooh, and there's deliverance rolling through here right now. My God. You know, I could sense last week 
There's so much that went on last week in a wonderful, marvelous way. And even now, same. It has been week to week. But when I got into 1 Corinthians 12, 3, I could see the light bulbs, bing, 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 just coming off. You see, no more curse. The Lord Jesus said to me when he visited me about that in Revelation 22. When I got to verse 3, and the room, of course, had filled up with the glory of God, and you know the story. So today I'm not going to retell that visitation. My wife was there with me. I mean, the room filled up. It was congealed like it was, it was thick. It was like jello was in the room. You couldn't. It was, and, and as he took me through that, the, one of the first things he said to me was, yes, he said, when you preach this, preach what? No more curse. There shall be no more curse. Because it comes out of Revelation 22, 3, he said, they shall surely say to you. Well, he ought to know what people say to you because he had a lot said to him. He had a lot said to him in his hometown, but it didn't stop him. They shall surely say to you, yes, but that's in heaven. I know now in my heart one of the biggest things and one of the reasons I have to stay on it and stay on it that I've not really done fully, and that's why I've repented and I'm doubling down on it just to get started. I'm doubling down on it just to get the seed planted. This isn't even close to the plant that's coming. I just want to get the seed in you that what you're calling normal is a curse. And Jesus died to break it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when he said that to me, he said, you remind them. But when I was in the earth, I prayed this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. Now, last week he said, if you use this scripture the way I tell you, it'll help your people to see it. He said, it'll, it'll help them. Because I'd asked him, Lord, help me to help them. And so it was 1 Corinthians 12, 3. In fact, why don't we look at that? Let's look at an Amplified Classic. This is really interesting. It says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, and we'll just say it in the King James for a second. I know you're getting Amplified ready, but I give you to understand. In other words, he's saying, and he's, he's about to list all the movies and the gifts of the Spirit. What Brother Scott talked about, about this potential energy. He's talking about all the manifestations of the Spirit. And he says, Very clearly, I want you to understand. The Apostle Paul caught to the third heaven. I want you to understand that no one speaking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit can ever say, Jesus be cursed. I see why I had to go back to it. That means anybody that's ever preached to you that the curse belongs on you and you've got to put up with some things down here and you'll get it all in heaven when you get there was lying to you. They weren't speaking by the Holy Ghost. They were speaking out of religious tradition, out of experience. Because here it says, I want you to understand. He's the head, you're the body. You're the body of Christ. He does not want one member of the body of Christ to have any trace of the curse on their lives 
ever again. That's why he died on that tree, went to the lowest hell and rose to the highest heaven to break it off of us. The Holy Ghost will not say part of Jesus should have a curse on him. He won't do it. Are you part of him? Is Jesus cursed? Then you're not cursed. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I'm the body of Christ. That cursed man died. That cursed man was nailed to the tree. That man that was weak and broke and poor and dumb and dysfunctional and addicted was nailed to that tree. Woo, hallelujah. Now, I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. But now it's up to me because now I've been given authority. It's up to me to present my body a living sacrifice. See, the biggest problem with people thinking they're cursed or something is because they think they're a body. So they think they are what they feel. You know, feelings are lying vanities. They, they come and go. Emotions are too. You're a spirit. See, that's why people think it's so strange when they finally, and many times they live and die and never experience it once because it's so rare in the church. I'm talking about a real Holy Ghost move where instead of having, you know, a dance team with banners and choreography, Holy Ghost moves and somebody starts dancing under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. It's so different that it doesn't even look the same. Because one's of the flesh, figured out in your mind, learned and rehearsed, and you even dressed for it because you knew it was coming. The other one came out of a whole other world. <laughs> well, laughter's the same way. Very few of the times in your life that you've been laughing have you laughed in the Spirit. But yet you see the Spirit of God has emotions, but most of the emotions you're having are not from Him. Because you can be totally depressed and He'll laugh about it. See, Job 5, 26 says, At destruction and at famine I'll laugh. He that sits in the heavens laughs. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. He, 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 see, so His emotions aren't like a human. His ways are way above yours. Now the Bible can talk about Jesus being grieved in spirit. The Bible talks about this now. And then it also talks about him rejoicing in spirit. So the spirit can grieve. The spirit can rejoice. But we're not talking about your soul and we're not talking about your body. And it happens so few times that people recognize it. That many people live and die and never even once can say, Woo! Something leapt inside of me. Inside of me. It doesn't happen every other day. I've walked up to situations where the Lord told me to do something, and it's like, only I can describe it. Do you, do you know, uh, um, when I was a kid, my, my grandparents have a novelty and gift story, and they had all kind of stuff. One of them was that wind-up thing you wore like a ring. It's kind of invisible. You want to shake hands with someone. You're a kid. You know you want to play that trick. You kind of hold it like that, and you shake hands with somebody because you wound it up. And if they shook hands with you, and that button went, you know. 
Well, that's the only thing I can describe is, and this doesn't happen all the time. This happened maybe three times in my whole life in ministry. Now, he's had manifested in other ways. Um, so it's happened more than three times, but this particular manifestation about three times. And what I'm talking about, actually, Holy Spirit emotions. It happened maybe eight times on my whole life. Because he's even. He, he doesn't have a lot of emotions. He's a faith spirit. So if he rejoices, you better pay close attention because God, heaven, is really excited about what it is going on. If he's grieving, you better pay close attention because that means a demon's involved and you're thinking it's God. So when it does happen, you better pay close attention. And about three times this happened to me where it's like right in here, something happened, and went, just like literally like somebody... Beep, pressed a, a, a button like a doorbell, a buzzer. You've heard, you know, not the ding dong. I'm talking about the beep, where they buzz in, you know. I'm not talking about Tim Conway, you know, Mrs. Atundabug. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Boy, that's an old reference. we got to get some new ones. Man, that was my, my grandfather knows Tim Conway. Anyway. <laughs> Now, i got to get over here. The point is, and so I've, now, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I mean, that's what I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost is involved. It happens on the inside of you. There's a rejoicing. And there can be a Holy Ghost laughter. <laughs> it just it literally blows the devil out of the water. I mean, he can't take it. It's like a, something goes boom. He hates to be laughed at. He is such an arrogant spirit. He despises it. He fires his best shot and you say, ha, that's all you've got. He hates it. I mean, when the Bible talks about gnashing of teeth, that's what he does when you laugh. You want to make the devil uncomfortable? Laugh a lot. Especially in the face of contradiction. Especially. Because that's a faith confession. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to throw your hands up. Woo, glory to God. Woo, one of Goliath's brothers showed up with six fingers. He's going down too. Glory to God. See, that's what you got to say. See, David didn't just kill Goliath. He took his brothers out. You need to realize Goliath's not the only battle David ever fought with the Philistines. According to the scripture, during David's lifetime, especially his, from the time he fought Goliath to the end of his reign, he had at least, no less than, 120 different military conflicts with the Philistines. So just because he took out Goliath, that was just the path to the throne. That wasn't the anointing to expand the kingdom. Goliath was just in the way of him believing he could do it. Once he got on the throne, there were Goliath's brothers to fight. But under his reign, Israel increased from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. I'm telling you right now, the body of Christ is about to have enlargement and deliverance arise. It's time to put the Philistines back into the sea. They may have established a beachhead in your life, but it's time to drive them right back into the sea. Glory be to God.
Glory be to God. Let's just, the Holy Ghost wants to say some things. I can sense it. Uh, and I think he wants to do it expeditiously and quite quickly over the next few minutes. Well, we just kind of thank him for what we're, where we are right now, what's going on. It's a day of deliverance. Hallelujah. The mighty power of God's moving through the room right now. Will you thank him for breaking containment in your life? Do you realize you're as broke right now as you're ever going to be? <laughs> don't worry about where you are right now. You're as broke as you're ever going to be. I said, don't worry about where it is right now. You're as broke as you're ever going to be. You're as small as you're ever going to be. You're as weak as you're ever going to be again. You're as sick as you're ever going to be again. I'm telling you, you're as low as you're ever going to be again. Glory be to God. There shall be no more curse. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. There's a release. There's a release from heaven. There's a breakthrough from heaven. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the Spirit of God's in operation here today, and He's manifested it now by utterances from different sources that had not talked with one another under the influence and the obviously tangible anointing that's come forth today. He wants to say some things. Last night, as I was looking at this counterattack from where we were and what we pronounced last week with enlargement and deliverance and the different things, he began to talk to me about this. And, uh, and so he gave me a verse. It was a very, very powerful verse. And glory to God, it blessed me because I was meditating and talking to him about the place he really wants us to live. And uh, before, I, before I read this verse, verse 10, but you'll, you'll see how in the flow of it, Isaiah 59 matches the prophetic utterance. You'll see it just so clearly. But before I read it, I do want to say in verse 58, he said, you shall not fast as you do this day. I believe that there's a fast coming. I believe there's a fasted life coming. I believe some people are already walking in it, but you're going to be called to it. So you need to know right now that you've got to put your flesh down if you're going to win this spiritual battle. But the Lord said, you shall not fast as you do this day to smite with the fist of wickedness and do all of that. He said, you're not fasting to get it to work. You don't like heap sackcloth and ashes and ash Wednesday on your head to make a show to others of a humility and contrite in heart that you don't really have. He said, no, this is the fast I have chosen. Isaiah 58, 6. Say, I have chosen. Say it again. Say it one more time. In fact, I think we ought to read this. The Lord's telling me read this. Isaiah 58, we'll start in verse 6. Is not this the fast I have chosen? This is God. This is what God has chosen. So this is, the, this is a direct revelation of God's will. This is the fast that I have chosen. To loose. Come on now. Stay with me. Don't slow me down. To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. God has chosen every yoke to be broken off your life. Every oppression to leave your life every burden to leave your life and what has bound you and limited you and contained you, it must be broken. 
God has chosen you to enlarge and deliver you and to break the limits. He's chosen to remove the burdens. He's chosen to destroy and obliterate the oppression and the dysfunction. And he's going to break everything that's on you that's not of him. But now notice in the context, they were fasting to get a result. So if you read it in context, they were not fasting for themselves. They were fasting to get the upper hand. So there was a motive of, why this coming against me? And why'd they do this to me? And smite with, you know, God do something about this. God, make them pay. And he said, no, that's, is that the fast I've chosen? Is that the heart I want you to have? See, what he really wants you to do is fast, get yourself down, so God's power can come on you to break the yoke off somebody. He's not now talking about breaking your yoke. He's talking about he's redeemed you. You should be yoke free. Spend some time fasting to get the will of God done. That you could get wisdom. That you could carry a new anointing. That you would walk in the gifts of the Spirit. That you would be the one laying hands on folks in Walmart. And if you'll do that, the ensuing benefits will come to your life automatically. You don't have to fast for the breakthrough when you are a yoke breaker yourself. Come on now. Do you see what's going on here? We want to plant this seed, and that is the love command in operation. So when we read the rest of this, we see then what happens. We start dealing our bread to the hungry. We stop pointing the finger and talking about people. We stop doing our own thing we want to do on the Sabbath day. I mean, go read it. You know what? You get your life in order and serve God first and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things get added. So your flesh wants to do something else, but you fast and say, nope, you're coming to church every time the doors are open this month and we're going to establish a new habit. Hello. You get it in line, put God first, it'll stun you what heaven will do for you. I mean, it'll come you over you and overtake you so fast. Glory be to God. Now, look at the rest of this. I want to start, I want to go down to verse 10. We'll start at verse 10. I want to read three verses very quickly. If you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, your light will rise out of obscurity. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I say, the demon powers that have tried to keep us obscure, they are broken. Not going to keep you small, not going to keep you down, not going to keep your voice silent. Are you listening to me? The spirit of obscurity is broken. The smallness is coming off of your life. Your light is going to rise in obscurity, and the darkest you'll ever be is like the noonday sun. Bring that energy on. Don't piddle with it. Don't hit the ground three times. Hit it five or six. The Lord, now this is something the Lord pointed out to me. The Lord shall guide thee continually. I love this. And satisfy your soul in drought. That means right in the middle of the gross darkness of the world, when the whole world's in famine, He will make fat your bones. And you will be like a watered garden. An artesian well whose waters will never fail, even if everybody's crops around you bite the dust. God has a plan for you. 
a Goshen in your Egypt. And they that shall be of you shall build the old waste places. Restoration. You will raise up the foundations of many generations. You will be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Get ready for some restoration. It's been the enemy wanting to divide you. It's been the enemy trying to steal from you. It's been the enemy hitting those things that, that are precious to you. We resist him. I said we resist him right now in Jesus' name. Now, I want to go back to verse 11 and look at this, and I will expedite then our path here for a moment because we're headed back to Isaiah 49. But look at verse 11. The Lord shall guide you continually, satisfy your soul in drought, make fat your bones. Now look, you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Now please go with me to the verse God gave me in the night season. He actually gave me all ten verses, but he started with this one. When I was talking to him about all that's going on around us and where we are and where we're headed in the fullness and the fulfillment speedily manifesting a breakthrough in every branch of this vision, what he's about to do for harvest, he gave me this verse, Isaiah 49.10. Now he's been giving me several. I don't have time to go to the others, but uh, this is for today. Look at Isaiah 49.10. No more curse means you shall not hunger or thirst. Come on now. They shall neither hunger nor thirst. Neither the heat or the sun will smite you. And he that has mercy on you shall lead you. And by the springs of water he will guide you. Whoo, glory be to God. I'm telling you, he's preparing a table for you right in the presence of your enemies. I'm telling you, he's anointing your, your head with oil. Your cup is running over. The shadow of death means nothing because a rod and staff are right there beside you. I'm telling you, he will lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is in the process right now of restoring your soul. Glory be to God. Now, I want to talk about, in that process... How we must see ourselves. This is so critically important. Because you heard the prophetic utterance. And I think when I read it, you'll understand. Let's go back to verse 1. He says, listen, O isles, to me. Hearken, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. And from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Let's keep reading. He hath made my mouth... Like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he's hidden me. Look now, he's made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. Did you hear the prophetic utterance? Are you the arrow of the Lord? You are literally God's arrow. Hidden in God's quiver. Called from your mother's womb. Get the mark to destroy the enemy. You're going to hit bullseye in the belly of the beast. That's who you are. Now that's who God says you are. From your mother's womb. This is actually a direct reference to the Lord Jesus himself. But he's the head and we're the body and he accomplished it. So since it is a direct prophetic reference to him, we can clearly see 
that when he was nailed to that tree, God was personally present in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. So that we understand in the gospel, this is a directly relatable personal prophecy to every child, son and daughter of God Almighty, brother and sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what it says about Jesus and his call in verse 4. This is the point I want to make. Then I said, this is the prophet with the Spirit of Christ on the inside of him speaking first in first person as if Jesus is talking back to God about what he called him to be. He said, You're, I've hidden you in my quiver, son. You are a polished shaft. You're the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. You're going to hit the mark. You're going to accomplish everything I told you to do. But you do realize that in his three years on earth, there's so much God sent him to do. His own didn't receive him. The Pharisees and Sadducees persecuted him on every turn. See, we, we focus on the fact that there was all these people following him and all these great miracles. They were. But you need to understand that he had to walk by faith because in essence... If the natural man were to look at what God prophesied about what he came to do and what he was able to accomplish in his earthly ministry, he failed. Now, we know he didn't. Come on now. But even Jesus, when he went to God the Father, and we see it. We see the pressure. Okay, Lord, I'll, uh, I'll, he's, he's telling me to slow down a little bit. I want to point out something to you. See, we have these these mystical views of how Jesus walked. We don't understand that he got hungry and he got tired and he got lonely and he stayed up all night crying out in prayer to God because nobody, even his disciples, knew who he was or understood what he was doing or where he was going. And we see it through the Word of God. For example, look at Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to read three verses. We're going to start in verse 7. This is a huge set of verses. Blesses me so much. I literally have lost count how many times that when discouragement in ministry came knocking on the door that the Lord sent me to this verse. I have literally lost count. Because this is what Jesus did in the days of his flesh. While he was in the ministry, he offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death. Because every time he turned around, he got a death threat in the mail. I mean, the disciples didn't even want to go to town with him anymore. Don't you know if you go down there and pray for Lazarus, they're waiting to kill you? And, and when he did do something good, people didn't do what he said. Like one man, he delivered him from demon powers. He said, I want to be with you. He said, I know that, but you need to go back over here to Decapolis and, and give your testimony. Until you can't walk, this, that's not my will for your life. Your assignment's over here. But other than telling what I did for you, don't tell any man who I am or where... He went and published it abroad so that disobeying Jesus, a lot of people say, well, I thought the Lord would want people to know. Why did he tell him not to? Go read it. It's in Mark chapter 1. It's very clear. 
that when he went and published it, so many people came out of the city to see him because he told them where he was. That he could no more openly go into the city. That man's disobedience hindered the ministry of Jesus. You go read it. It's very clear. Because within verses, he said in Mark 1, when they came out to seek him, wanted to do a big meeting, he said, let us arise and go into other cities and preach. That's why I'm sent. And the very next verse says, he went into those cities and he preached and cast out devils. You need to understand that was his mission. His mission right now, with this anointing on me today, I have a twofold mission. To preach and cast out devils. Amen. I'm here today to make sure you don't leave like you came in Jesus' name. And that any harassing spirit on you gets broken off of you today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants you delivered. He's chosen to break every yoke. And because of that, and because of his love for you, he's here to do it today. He came to church. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. He faced these struggles everywhere he went. It hindered his ministry, so he had to adjust. All the time. And so here, he's crying. Oh, God, please help me. You know, they brought that demon-possessed boy to him. His first reaction was, nine, had you boys not walked with me for two years and you can't deal with this? While I'm on the Mount of Transfiguration talking to Elijah and Moses and, and, and I've got to ascend, I'm about to bring in the rest of the kingdom and I've got to come back down here and deal with what you boys ought to be able to deal with. I mean, that's the way he felt. Now think about it. Faithless and perverse generation. Bring him to me. They later said, how come we couldn't cast him out? He said, because of your unbelief. So the faithless and perverse generation he was talking about there wasn't the demon possessed boy or the dad. The dad, he said, I took him to your disciples. They couldn't cast him out. And he said, faithless and perverted. He's talking about his own disciples. Thank you for your enthusiasm today. You mean to tell me? I mean, he's sitting there. He didn't just have to carry himself. He had to carry all those boys. And we know he did because he said, all you gave me, I didn't lose any of them. I kept them in your name. And then when Satan was roaming around, and they did, he said, Simon, Satan has desired to have all of you. He's trying to sift you and break your connection because we've got a kingdom to build, something greater than what you're seeing right here. It has nothing to do with politics. So he prayed that their faith fell not, that they get strengthened so they wouldn't bail. Because it wasn't the easiest assignment. And that's what he's saying here. But he was heard. When you cry to God, he'll hear you. He was heard and that he feared. And look what it says here in verse 8. Though he were a son, Jesus the son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. The word suffering here. Doesn't mean God commissioned him to suffering. It means he experienced evil. That's literally what the word means. And every time he bumped up against it and, and it contained everything he came to do and he wasn't able to get done what he came to do, he'd have to go back to the Father. So, how much longer am I going to have to deal with this? 
to the point to where when he got in the garden, now, and of course it goes on to say in verse 9, but being made perfect. What does that mean? I thought Jesus was perfect. That's not what that means. That means his completed experience. It literally means his maturity. He matured over into, past all the opposition to believe the vision was still coming to pass no matter what he saw and what was going on. Now, how did he do that? Same way Abraham did. Who against hope, hoped on in faith. It looked impossible. His body dead. His wife's body dead. There's no way. But it didn't matter. God said it. It doesn't matter. God has hidden me in his quiver. I mean, I love you, but I don't care what you do. I know where I'm headed. And I know if you'll ride the horse where you're headed. I'm here to announce to you a destiny far and away above and beyond anything you could ask or imagine. It's on the inside of you right now. You were born for this moment. Oh, glory be to God. But now look, Jesus faced this opposition and in Isaiah 49, 4, look what Jesus says back to God who gives him this great prophecy about his calling. Jesus says back to God, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing. I've spent all my time coming and preaching and being faithful and, 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 and putting my own dreams on the back burner. You know, that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I laid my life down. I mean, I had a covenant with you. I was fine. I was sinless. I had what I needed. But I fasted 40 days for these people. I laid my life down for them. And this is all I've got to show for it, their rejection. sure is quiet in here. See, we don't like to think that Jesus actually might have had a down moment. But was he tempted in all points like as we are? You think he was tempted to quit? What about the garden when he sweat drops of blood? You think he was tempted to quit then? Oh, yeah. Tempted is what he was. It's a demon. It's a demon trying to get you to quit. We just had Toby and Miranda here. I wish you'd heard what they told us over lunch. I had forgotten this, but I had a, well, it doesn't matter. I won't get into the details of that, but a sovereign divine appointment with a young minister who I had not been related to before. And let's just simply say that God supernaturally used that moment by the gifts of the Spirit in a very marvelous way. And uh, to help him and for all the people that would see it and all the young preachers beyond that moment to see it, to understand now is not even the time to even think about throttling back. Quit? Are you kidding me? But we were at lunch with Toby and Miranda and I didn't realize it, but there was so much turmoil in that church that his father was pastoring and so much jockeying for position. It was so hard and financially hard. Satan was doing absolutely everything he could to get them out of their assignment. And he had a, a night vision one night, and in the dream, which, by the way, will probably manifest, except this part won't because this is already done, but we're going to be down there annually now. We're already talking about you know, the soccer stadium and, uh, and the stuff during the day, and uh, it just exploded. Last time we did, we keep getting those miracle testimonies back. But he said, he said, you don't understand what happened. 
He said, I had a dream in the night and we were holding a meeting in, in, in Mexico. We were hosting you and, the, and it was just a roar. There were so many people you couldn't, you couldn't get in the building. There wasn't any place to even put on the microphone, so we had to go to the restroom. And, uh, and so he said, I was in the restroom with them and they were talking to me about the service. Uh, do you, what scriptures are you? And he said, they were having this kind of conversation, like churchy conversation. What scriptures are you going to use? And they called me Papa, you know, spiritual father in the Lord. They said, what scriptures are you going to use, Papa? We, uh, you know, how can we help you? We got, uh, how are we going to? And, and he said, I looked at him in the restroom. And I said, children, do you hear the people out here? They're hungry for miracles. They, they got to be touched by God. That's no time for this. We got to go. He said, Okay. And so I walked out of the restroom, and they followed me out of the restroom, and he said, I didn't get two steps out of the restroom. I turned around like this, and he said, fire came in my eyes, and I pointed at him like this in a night vision. And I said, and I said to him, I just pointed at him. He said, he said, you were walking in front of me, and we were about to go into this miracle crusade, and the place was packed with people, and, you're too, and he said, you turned around with me with those eyes. You pointed at me. He said, by the way, you're not a quitter. He said it ripped through him like lightning. <laughs> he, when he woke up, because <gasps> before he went to sleep, he was just talking to God about, I don't think I can do this. And I, am I even called to do this? And this is, if I was called, it wouldn't be this hard. And he said it delivered him. He woke up, <laughs> the lightning of God went through his soul. So I guarantee you right now, they got men in the vehicle we've donated, riding around the city, talking to the city gates using the name of Jesus to keep the cartel out of the city. They literally just had major fights, and by the authority of that name, they repelled them outside the city and kept them outside the city. I'm telling you, a new generation of deliverers is being born. And I don't care how hard it is or what it looks like, I'm telling you right now, you are not a quitter. Because the spirit that's in you will never quit. He's already won. He's the angel in the bush that burns and burns and burns and burns and the bush won't burn up because he's not burning of his own resources. I'm not burning of my flesh. I'm not preaching in my own energy. I'm not praying for the sick in my own authority. I'm not staring at the devil and I'm just tracing. No, there's a power of the grace of God that raised Jesus from the dead that lives on the inside of me and I have a name and you've got a name and we preach this gospel for it's the power of God to deliver us to everybody that'll believe it until he comes and the horn blows and the sky splits. I'm telling you when I draw my last breath, my next face-to-face -face moment will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I determine I'm going to hear well done. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When people come against me as a young preacher, you know, because he's young and he don't know nothing, and you know, all that, and that's beside the point. You have your stories. Every preacher has them. Because the demon wants to break your back early. Glory to God. And I just decided long ago, I have one arrow in my quiver. I used to sing it all the time. I hadn't sung it in years, but I used to sing it all the time. It seems like today might be a good day. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I decided that a long time ago. Decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. <laughs> still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. My hand's on the plow. My hand's on the plow. I'm not looking back. Ain't nothing back there for me. Glory to God. I want to read this in the Amplified. Please stay with me for a moment. I can sense the, the Lord doing a mighty work here. He said, Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing. You can say, I've traveled the world and preached the gospel. I've gone all around the world and I just gave my life to Jesus and what I have to show for it. Well, it depends on where your value is. What are you doing it for? He said, I've spent my strength for nothing and an empty futility. Yet, Notice he corrected himself mid-sentence. That's what I love about Jesus. The moment he almost began to think about the possibility that he might even hesitate, he said, yet my right is with the Lord. God is my recompense. I'm not moved by what I see. Do you see what he did? Sure, that's exactly what he did. Amen? That's why the apostle Paul had to do the same thing. He said, now there count out my life dear to myself, but that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. Here, notice what it says, and let's read verse 5 and 6. It says, and now says the Lord. God replied to that. Replied to what? That faith statement. He'd have corrected him for that other one if he hadn't corrected it, but he corrected it himself. That's all right, God. It looks like I have spent my life, and they all rejected me. But my right is with you. I know you told me to do this. I will surely have a recompense. My father cannot lie. I'm telling you, you get that kind of attitude, God will talk to you. God talked back to his son and said, Hey, says the Lord who formed you from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back and that Israel might be gathered to him and not be swept away. You know, there's a lot of times it looks like you're not doing anything. And one of the things you're doing in the unseen is building a foundation in the lives of the people you walk with so that in the evil day they don't get swept away. That's as great a victory as anything. They build on a rock. Fruit that remains. Say it out loud. For I am honorable in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. So I don't draw my approval from men because I know God told me to do this. Amen. And I love verse 6. Treat it personally, a personal prophecy to you. He says, I used to think this was a question. 
In fact, is it a light thing? Is it a light thing? Literally, God gave me this verse. Oh, I won't get into that right now. I was, I was in Nigeria, Africa. And uh, the Lord had me in the office of prophet prophesy to probably the pastor of the largest church in all of Nigeria and the African part of the world. They're, they're, they're touching that continent. And the Lord gave him this verse, he and his wife. And the Lord wants you to know this belongs to every seed of Abraham, every child of the Most High God. It's not a question, is it a light thing that God has called you? It is a statement. God is now correcting any little thread of doubt his son had about the ultimate outcome of the seed he is about to plant. And what is God saying to Jesus? It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivor of the judgments of Israel. Now God's talking to Jesus and he's saying, Son, I know Israel rejected you, but your ministry's not that small. Don't look. Don't look at the little thing. Don't look at the little failure. This is what I sent you for. I will give you also beyond Israel, rejected or accepted, a light to every nation of the earth. Look what God said to him. Let's finish that verse. That my salvation may extend to the ends of the earth. I ask you today, is Jesus' ministry fruitful? Has this come to pass? What if when Israel rejected him, he had thrown up his hands and quit? Where would you and I be? I think, I think we just need to thank him for finishing his work. Come on now, don't pat a cake. If you're going to thank him, thank him. Come on now. What if he hadn't finished? What if he had never gotten to the place to where he said, It is finished! What if he had never gotten there? He said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Glory to God. To finish his work. Glory to God. 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 Glory. Hallelujah, Father, we love you, we bless you, we magnify you. I don't know if they'll be able to follow me on this or not, but go ahead and stand up and remain standing. There's so much in my spirit. Uh, I'll just have to uh, maybe read a couple of things that the Lord said to me as I give you these scriptures. But you need to know, I, want, I do want to read this because I'm going to read Isaiah 49 off of here. But uh, please get ready with Deuteronomy 28. How many of you know that the curse of the law is listed in Deuteronomy? Yes, sir. And the Lord said to me in that visitation, go back to the curse of the law, he said. And he said, don't treat it like something that will come on you if you disobey. He said, treat it like a treasure chest. If you find any trace of what I've written in there in your life, he said, eradicate it in my name. We need to know that it never was his will for any one of us to ever experience any trace of the curse. So I want to read these verses and I'll close with Isaiah 49 in some other translations because it's going to explode in your heart. 
But in Deuteronomy 28, and I didn't tell you what verse, did I? I want you to look at this uh, in verse, uh, let's just start in verse 58. You remember what the Lord said, that there are things coming on the earth that without a power, the power, a revelation of the power and authority of the name of Jesus, my people will not survive, he said. Well, notice, notice the key to breaking the curse here. This is the master key to breaking every curse. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear what? Read it. The name, fear, revelation, faith in that name will break everything the enemy will ever throw at your life. That name, no one speaking by the Holy Ghost can call Jesus a curse. I want you to understand that. And nobody can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So therefore, the Holy Spirit will lead us to say Jesus is Lord over that curse. Jesus has defeated that. He's Lord over that. He's Lord over that sickness. I don't have to stay sick. He's my Lord. He's the Lord of all names in three realms. He's the Lord of arthritis. He's the Lord of asthma. He's the Lord of diabetes. He's the Lord of cancer. He, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Right now, I'm telling you, He's Lord. He's the Lord over addictions. He's Lord. He's Lord over depression. He's Lord over hopelessness. He's Lord over fear. He's Lord over accusation. And He has redeemed us from this curse. He's redeemed us from it. He said He's redeemed us from it. Glory be to God. Now notice what it says here. This is huge. Starting in verse 59, we're going to read through verse uh, 62, and then I'll drop down and read another one. It says... In verse 59, then the Lord will make the plagues wonderful, plagues of your seed, even great plagues of long continuance. Say long continuance. long continuance. And sicknesses of a long continuance. The Amplified says extraordinary strokes and blows. In other words, things the enemy throws at you. It could be stumbling blocks. It could be he could hit you like an ambush. It may not be a sickness. But it's something he comes at you with to stop you short, to knock you off your feet, to knock you down where you don't want to get up again. But I've got news for you. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up eight. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. That is a major part of the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. I have one inside of me that when I can't stand on my own, he will stand me up. And when he stands me up, he'll stand right there with me and he'll never leave me or forsake me. And you need to know right here, this is huge. There are three things that hit people a lot. And that is they, they don't lose the battle often in the first attack, but very often they lose it in the counterattack. And I'm telling you in Nahum 1.9 it says this affliction will not arise a second time. In 1 Chronicles 14, God broke through the Philistine host. But the very next verse says, and the Philistines spread themselves yet again in the valley. It can be discouraging. When you've, when you've put all your energy in something, got a break, breakthrough, and it lasts two weeks, and it looks like you're right back where you started. Most people don't know that when Jesus stilled the storm, it could have been very discouraging to hit foot on the Gadarenean territory where he was sent, and now a demon-possessed man that's controlling the territory with 6,000 demons runs out and meets him first thing. He can't even hold a meeting because a demon. Well, that's the same demon that brought the storm. 
So he got, he got through the attack. That demon looked like a counterattack. But he won it. He won it because it's the same source. It's not two different battles. If you beat him the first time, he's weaker the second time. Did you hear what I said? See, you need to quit getting discouraged and start being encouraged. If you already whipped him, that's the proof. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Quit living in this dream world like you're going to float down the river with no opposition. There's a devil out there, but the greater one lives on the inside of you. So shout it out. We're redeemed from spiritual battles that take a long time to win. My breakthrough's happening. Deliverance. Enlargement. Breakthrough. Breakout. Increase through all the walls, past all containment, greater than I've ever imagined. It starts now. And do you hear me? Do you hear me right now? I'm not a quitter. And in the name of Jesus, it won't be long now. I don't care how long it has been, it won't be long now. Number two, I've got to tell you this. This is huge. By the verse 61, it says, Every sickness, every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, will come on you till you're destroyed. Now look at verse 62, please. The entire listing of the whole curse is to produce this. This is the end result of all the curses. All the curses come to produce this. You shall be left few in number. The purpose for the curse is to keep you small. So you don't have influence and you don't have a voice and you, you understand, you don't have all the stuff you need to be the light of God to the ends of the earth. Well, I'm telling you, we're breaking out of that. Everyone around us is breaking out of that. You're breaking containment. Look at your neighbor and say, you're breaking containment right now. Glory be to God. And this is huge. And this is the third thing the Lord told me to tell you before we go to Isaiah 49. It says this. I want to encourage you, and we're going to start reading in verse 65, and we're going to literally read down through verse 68, and you'll understand why. Most people don't know this is a curse. But it says, among these nations you shall find no ease. Did you know that dis-ease is a curse? That's why pain is hard to tolerate because you weren't created to tolerate it. Glory be to God. Understand that's a curse. That's a curse. The way the transgressor is hard, but his yoke is easy. His burden is light. The commandments of God are not grievous. God wants you to not have the attitude I'm so grateful my son happens to be here today because he can verify this, but he can also also verify he is only the first in the line of everybody else that felt the same way. So the second son is here, and the daughter's here, and the third and the third son is here, and every one of them will tell you exactly the same thing at different points in their walk with God to break into what God had for them. They would come and sit down with, with us, and coming out of their mouth would be, I just don't understand why everything has to be so hard for me. 
is when you're young, you don't realize that's a testament to the enemy being afraid of your greatness. And you're too young to understand. It looks like the word's not working. It looks like if what we preach is true, it wouldn't be like this. And I'm telling you, God is about to break this off. That every time you start trying to believe God, it's a slugfest. Did you hear what I said? We're redeemed from spiritual battles that take a long time to win. And they are about to start falling like dominoes. And there shall be no more curse. Now let's read this. He goes on to say, but the Lord, there you'll have a trembling heart, failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Somebody say sorrow of mind. Sorrow. You know what that is, don't you? That's depression. Yeah. Say depression, depression is under the curse. Under the sorrow curse. of mind is a curse. That is not a type personality. That's a demon. I don't care what type you are. Type A, B, C, Z. I don't care. Sorrow of mind doesn't belong to you. You weren't created to be melancholy or shy. Demons taught you that. And we're not going to have a trembling heart over stepping out a little bit on something. And we're not going to have sorrow over mine, over our past, and I tried it, but it didn't seem to work. Well, dear God, you'd have sure failed if you hadn't even tried. It's about time to get up and step in and do it again. I mean, if everything my kids ever tried, I mean, they'd never ridden a bicycle because they didn't succeed the first time. They'd have never ridden a skateboard because they didn't succeed the first time. They'd have never aimed to pull the trigger on a gun because they didn't succeed the first time. They'd have never, they would never be able to write full sentences today because they couldn't succeed the first time they tried a, a, a cursive word. Dear God, you spend your whole life telling your kids to blow past these things because we're so full of the mammon system. Get a good education so you can get a good job so you can make some money so you can retire and do nothing like all the other heathens. How about we tell them to break the limits for God? How about we tell them they're called to do something from another world? And the whole reason they're getting educated and the whole reason they have any money and the whole reason that they've been kept alive and have any protection, the whole reason they're still breathing is because they weren't created by accident. They have a purpose and they're going to hit the mark. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And so are you. I said, and so are you. You're coming out of your setback. I said, you're coming out of your setback and you're going to hit the mark, glory be to God, and you're not going to get discouraged. No sorrow of mind. I break it now. There shall be no more curse. Your life hanging in doubt before you, fearing all day and all night, no assurance of your future. It amazes me the people that will stand in the pulpit and talk to Christians and say, well, you need to come get saved right now. You know, you need to, and they beat people at the altar out of fear, telling them, you know, you're not promised tomorrow. One guy said that, a preacher said that to me once. I said, well, I don't know about you. You may die tomorrow, but I'm promised tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere until I'm finished. I cannot control anybody in the sphere of my voice, including my own family. But I can control this old boy. And this old Arkansas boy right here has not done everything perfect, but he knows how to repent quick. <laughs> Did it ever? <laughs> I know how to get back.
back over on the mercy and his mercies are new every morning and in the countenance of the favor of the king there is life and I believe he restores and I believe there's no end to his restoration. Therefore, we're not stopping until we're done. I said we're not stopping until we're done because it's a light thing that you should be a servant to do this or that. You're called to carry God's delivering power to the ends of the earth. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. It's too light a thing just to come and go from church. That's what God's saying to you. It is too light a thing. Now look at verse 67. In the morning you should say, would God or even? Anybody ever said, whew, I'm glad this day's over. You don't realize it, but you were cursing. You would say, would God it were morning. You dread the night because you don't sleep well. You have bad dreams or you're all alone. and That's a curse. I'm breaking it off your life now. Just marking the days and marking calendars and wishing the time away. I say on you comes now the wisdom of King David. This says, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. As my days are, so shall my strength be. Glory be to God, I will dwell in the secret place and fulfill the number of my days. And like, a cor- like corn comes into the ear, I will go to my grave as a full shock of corn in its height and maturity. I believe it, I decree it, because it's covenant blood bought. Am I helping anybody here? Now look at verse 68. This is really what I've been preaching toward. This is the third of three things specifically. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships... By the way, where have I spoken to you? What does it say? What does Egypt represent? What did God say he wanted for you? Never see it again. Never see it again. It is a curse for a person to ever even see a trace again of anything they've once been delivered from. Don't hit the ground three times and push him back. Hit it five or six times and push him out. Say, now I'm done with that. I'm done with that. This is a word I guess I need to leave you with. And I actually am going to refrain at the moment because the anointing being so strong, it just seems like the right time to pray and believe God for these things. So I'll do so. You got the point in Isaiah 49, did you not? I would encourage you to go to the parallel and read verse 6 yourself and understand you're that polished arrow. You will hit the mark. And verse 6 belongs to you. It's too small a thing for you to just do a little bit for God and, and, you know, and give somebody a card at the grocery store. I'm glad we're doing that. I was going to give John Taylor a chance to close the service and come up here and talk about those cards, but the bottom line is that card is just one step to the greatness of hitting the mark. Would you agree, John? We've got to do this thing, don't we? God didn't give you that by accident. So what does he have on his mind? Expansion, increase, breaking containment, going further, delivering souls. And you got the seed right there on your seat. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So I'm going to rehearse these three things. Quote the final scripture and pray for you. Battles... We're redeemed from battles that take a long time to win. Number two, we're redeemed from small in number. And by the way, 
I don't normally call attention to this, but I, I see y'all visiting back there. I see you guys when you walked in. One of the reasons I didn't call you up here, John, is you're supposed to go behind Brother Bruce and put your hands on his shoulders. There's a healing anointing on you. And when we pray, the healing power of God is about to jumpstart the organs of his body in a brand new supernatural heavenly way. This is his miracle moment. We've got a lot to do for God and we're going to hit the mark. Is this your miracle moment? We're redeemed from battles that take a long time to win. We're redeemed from few in number. Say, I'm redeemed from small. I'm redeemed from small. I'm redeemed from small anything. I'm redeemed from a small bank account. I'm redeemed from small purpose. Small dreams. Small faith. Small successes. This thing works for me in full. He didn't die in vain. What he did was not worthless. God is the recompense. I'm the seed of Jesus. I will walk in fullness. His ministry is a success. And it's a success in me today. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I'm redeemed from small. I'm redeemed from battles that take a long time to win. And I will have fruit that remains. Do you hear me? I will have fruit that remains. I will not see a trace again. I'm coming out of this. I said, I'm coming out of this, and I'm not going back. We're not going back to these former things. We're into the new by 2022. We're coming out of this. There's a new way. There's another way. We're going to see it. we got the wisdom of God. I'm not going back to those limits. I'm not going back to those containments. I'm not going back to that small thinking. I'm not doing that. Glory be to God. We hit the mark. Explosion is happening in your spirit. I see it. I hear the Spirit of God say, just like he spoke to the Corinthians, he says, O Corinthians, my mouth is open to you. Our heart is enlarged. I hear the Spirit of God saying that this very day, I have enlarged his capacity on the inside. I've been ministering into his mind and heart to expand his concept of all that is in his future. There is much I've done for him, many victories. He knows me well, and he's seen me work miracles, and the assignment on his life has been accomplished to a great degree. But yet, the greatest days are immediately in front of him. And as they enter the new year, they'll step into the new in 2022. And the heart and the vision and the canvas shall be enlarged like the panorama of the earth. For you need to understand, saith the Lord, I have, yes, seated you in heavenly places, Though you understand that, I am going to begin to show you the view from that seat. And I'm going to cause you to ascend higher, to come up higher. For it was even spoken this hour, where higher has more energy, higher has more power. Come on up with me, saith the Lord, for there's a door opened in heaven, much like the one that I spoke to the Apostle John. When I said, come up hither. And I brought him through a door he could not get through in his own strength. I'm about to open a door of assignment for your lives that you'll not be able to get through in your own strength. But fear it not, my grace is sufficient for my son and daughter. You haven't seen anything yet. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Oh, glory to God. I mean, I see nations. I don't know what that means. And that may stretch you a lot, but I'm telling you, the nations, I see the nations opening. I see doors opening that you're unfamiliar with, that you didn't even know that they knew you. Supernatural things in you. Wonderful. How can this be? How can this be? Let never that thought arise within thee or be presented to thee by the enemy. How can this be? For it's the sowing of seeds, you see. Seeds you've sown even long ago. As you were faithful with me and walking down the row, you shall see that much fruit that remains is already in tow. But seeds that have not yet come into fullness yet or you've even seen the harvest of shall now burst forth out of the earth and 2022 will give them birth. This has to be before the end of the race for you see your harvest must take place. I would be an unrighteous God for there must be a harvest for every seed that is sown and you didn't know it but while you were sleeping the seed has grown. First the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn. And now even your heart is enlarging and is warm. To understand this is not only a promise that might be, this is a guaranteed harvest off of seeds sown that in the unseen have grown. And while you didn't see, it's grown up into a full-grown fruit-bearing tree. I'm about to do things for you that your seed has actually purchased by your obedience long ago. So just follow me and laugh and laugh and laugh as you go. For the enemy is in derision. And these impossible things that you wonder, how shall it be? You don't have to figure it out. It's by my grace that I have put upon thee. So it's harvest time for you. That is the guarantee. Your faith planted the seed, though you have not yet to see. Now, beginning this year, the harvest of many seeds of years gone by shall surely come to thee. That's the how. That's the how. That's the why, too. That's the why, too. He'll be, a, he'll be an unrighteous covenant God. If it doesn't happen, he's going to do it. He'll never be unrighteous. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Who else has some seeds in the ground? <laughs> yeah. Glory to God. Can we just thank the Lord for a second? Father, let's just thank him. Let's thank him. Miss Christian, while we're worshiping God, our eyes are closed. Thank Him. Bring up 2 Corinthians 12, 9. While you're doing that, we're just going to thank Him. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Oh, glory be to God. Father, we love you. Come on now. Thank Him a little bit. Begin to worship Him. Father, we love you. We bless you. We magnify you, sir. We magnify you, righteous one. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, please. Thank you, Father. We bless you and magnify you and glorify you. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. Now, do me a favor. Back up one verse. There's something I need to point out. Father, we bless you and we thank you and we glorify you today. I'm redeemed from small. How about you? From battles that take a long time to win. How about you? We are redeemed today. Settle it in your heart. Not only am I being delivered, but I'm not going to see a trace of this again. At least by the eye of faith, see a day that you don't struggle with this the rest of your life. The Apostle Paul had a demon spirit attacking his ministry on every side to stop the revelation and the assignment. 
again and again he had to encourage himself and get up and keep going. And he said, for this thing, deliverance from this thing, I sought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And I heard the Lord say, well, I was praying for you today. He said, you finish with this today. Because what we're about to read belongs to you in verse 9. But he said, you finish with this today. He said, ask them, why did he ask the Lord three times about this? And the Lord answered it. So I'm going to answer it for you. It's simple. Because it didn't leave the first time. He said, you tell him he sought the Lord three times, not because it takes that many times, but because he didn't quit till it was gone. Do you understand the difference? God wasn't making him keep it. God wasn't teaching him something. God didn't have some high purpose. The enemy was stubborn. He wanted to stop him. But he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. How come? Because God said, my grace. Oh, glory to God. Is it sufficient for you? Is God's grace sufficient for you? I don't care if you've already asked the Lord about this. Go back. I mean, they didn't get into the promised land the first time. They came to that river a second time. You might have to come to your crossing a second time. You might have to come to your crossing a third time like the Apostle Paul. Who cares? That's not the point. You're redeemed from defeat. I'm not ashamed of having to deal with this more than once. I just know the ultimate outcome is I'm going to be free from this without a trace because God's grace is sufficient. And I forget, I refuse to look at how long or how many times or anything else because God cannot lie. This will not fail and deliverance is mine now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is it yours today? It's yours today. You are his arrow. Are you ready to be shot? Glory be to God.